Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, I want to I want to I want to read this scripture to you this morning. Now if you want to sit down, you can. If you want to stand, it's totally up to you. But I want to read this passage of Scripture to you. There's such a powerful presence of the Lord that's here this morning. It lets me know He's alive. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, by the way, Mary Magdalene had been a prostitute. She had sold her body for a living. She was bound by demonic powers, hopeless to ever break the chains of that bondage. But Jesus. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. The face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary... But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. This is one of the most powerful verses that you'll ever read in Scripture as it relates to God and man. Jesus said to her, 
Mary. Jesus said to her, Stephanie, Debbie, Jordan, Sandy, Bruce. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in the Aramaic language, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Father, thank you today for your word in Jesus' name. Guys, we talk about the resurrection. And, and I'm not... I'm not going to be preachy this morning because my assignment today, I believe from Holy Spirit, is to get you to think, is to cause you to begin to ponder some things that perhaps you don't ever think about. But we talk about the power of the resurrection. We talk about the sufferings of Jesus what he endured on the cross and all of these things. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Paul said, for if the dead rise not, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are all yet in your sins. That's the importance of the resurrection. You see, all the miracles that Jesus did and all the things that he did while walking this earth would have been in vain if it wasn't for the resurrection. See, the thing that sets Christianity apart from all other religions is the fact of an empty tomb. Because you see, if there was not an empty tomb, Christianity would be dead. 
It wouldn't be any different from any other religion. It wouldn't be any different from Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucius, and all these other religions that boast about some prophet that they've heard of. But the fact is that Jesus came out of the grave. He defeated the grave. He defeated death. He defeated hell and he defeated all of those things so that you and I this morning could stand and talk about the power of his resurrection. So yeah, Pastor Jesus rose. Jesus rose from the dead. He came out of the tomb. The tomb is empty. That's good. It makes for good preaching and it makes for good teaching on Sunday morning. But all you Christians talk about is how I need to change my life and how I need to commit my life to Christ and and all of that. But if you knew the bondage that I was in, if you knew the struggle that I was in, then you you wouldn't be talking like that. There's this consensus among many people that think all of the Christians and all those that, that worship Jesus have never experienced any trials and struggles and battles in life that we've all just always been saved. I don't need any amens on this, but I want to tell you I hadn't always been saved. I wasn't born a preacher. I was was as good at heathenism as anybody in this room, I can assure you that. But Jesus. See, it's good to talk about the resurrection on Easter Sunday and how Jesus can change your life. Pastor, it's good to hear all of that. And I'm glad you're talking about that, but God's never done anything like that in my life. I struggle and I battle. I deal with addictions and I deal with anger and I deal with frustration. I've got so much anger bottled up in me. God could never deal with that in my life. God could never help me break through those things. Or could he? So I just, you know, I thought about it. Holy Spirit just kind of began to deal with me. He said, I want you to do something a little bit different. He said, I want you to do something that will let everybody in that audience know that I am still changing lives. So we're going to do something a little bit different. Is that okay? It won't take but two hours, and we'll be out of here. I felt a cool wind come by. Can this God that we're talking about, can he change my life?
There is no secret with Jesus. He's already seen you. There ain't no need trying to hide it. He's already seen you. He knows you and all of that. But the, but the most awesome thing about it, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that it does not matter where you've been, does not matter what you've done. He would have still went to the cross for you. Jesus a hand. Give him, give him a shout of praise. Come on. Give Jesus a shout of praise. See, that is the power of resurrection. That is the power of being raised from the dead. Hunter, you can take your seat. Tell us what Jesus did for you in about two seconds. Well, guys, I was a, uh, a gambleholic. I stayed in the casino. I, I literally drained every bit of the money that me and my wife had saved at the casino right down the road from where we lived. And the night I had a dream, I seen hell, and I, was, I seen it three times. That next Sunday, I texted Patrick and said, hey, when does church start? And after that, I gave my life to the Lord, and ain't nothing but been better since then. Listen, relax. I'm not going to come to you, okay? I'm coming to this guy right here. Come here, buddy. See, we can, we can talk about something that happened 2,000 years ago. But I'm telling you something that happened this year. I'm talking about something that happened this week, this month. We didn't have time to get Clinton hookah. For a long time, just same as Tyson, addiction, sin, just living crazy, and past few months is, is, is really is really turned around for me, and, and, I, and I'm gonna keep it that way. And it's wonderful, and I love it. And it's going to stay this way. It's just, it's just the greatest. 
Aleluya. Come on up here. Listen. Your dad is not here today, is he? You've heard addictions and, and all of that, how God changed their lives. But Austin's got such a special testimony of a relationship that was messed up and how God restored. By the way, he was one that left it in the water. been about probably three years since my wife and I got into church. And uh, I think uh, tomorrow makes a year that her and I both got baptized in that, in that pool. But leading up to that, me and my dad had a, a really bad relationship. He would come in, he would leave. I really didn't know what love was until I met God, until I found Jesus. And uh, I battled with showing love to my wife. And uh, it was, uh, I never told anyone this. She knows I committed adultery whenever uh, she was pregnant with our youngest child. Didn't know how bad that hurt somebody until I walked in our room that day, our house, and she was curled up in the floor in a fetal position, crying. I felt worthless. I know she did. But that night, we laid in bed. To be honest with y'all, I didn't know if I was going to make it to the next morning because I didn't know if she was going to stab me or where we was going with that. And the, I laid down, I didn't know if I needed to turn and look at her, but I turned the other way. And the moment I felt her move, I flinched. I didn't know what she was doing, but I had a wife that was praying. I had a wife that turned over and laid her hand on me and prayed for me. And I tell you one thing, I, I'm pretty sure there ain't many out there that's like that. Without her, I don't know if I'd ever be in this spot that I'm in now. Jesus saved me, but she led me to him. Uh, after that, I gave my life to Christ. I'm pretty sure the next Sunday, I can't remember what day it was, but after that, I started getting into prayer, and then I started praying for my dad. Man, my dad not spoken in over a year, and they called me and uh, said, hey, your dad just had a massive heart attack. I said, it's all right, he'll make it. I was angry, angry at the world, angry at him. And I called, I texted my wife, I said, uh, dad just had a heart attack. She said, I think you should go down there and lay hands on him and pray for him. I said, that ain't happening. I had so much anger, I didn't know what to do with it. 
And she, she said, said, I honestly believe that you should go and pray, pray for him. I said, I, I can't do that. that. And I said, I'm, I'm not worthy enough for that. So, so I, she, she said, said, I think you should do it. So I listened to her and come home. And uh, I went in our prayer closet and I started praying. I said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, let me know now. I got in the shower and got ready. I went to Mobile or Pensacola, I'm sorry. And uh, I walked in and angry, still angry, walking in the door, didn't want to look at him. I walked in, he was on the vent, everything you could think of. And I asked that daughter, I said, man, shoot me straight. I ain't got much feelings for him, what's left of him. He said, if he makes it, he'll be a noodle. He will not have no life in his body if he comes around. I said, well, I don't know about you, man. I said, but I, I, I serve a powerful God. I said, uh, I said, I said, right now I'm about to lay hands on him. I said, do you believe in God? And like some, they'll kind of, yeah, I believe in him, don't really know him. I said, well, I'm about to lay hands on him. I said, you can stay in here or you can walk out if you want to. So he walked out, and for the first time in my walk with Christ, I laid hands on my dad, and I prayed out loud and, and claimed victory over it. I left there that night. <coughs> I left there that night and went home. The next day, about 8 o'clock, they called. They called and said he was awake and talking. <laughs> just the beginning when my dad got out of the hospital it was a little, little while later and he didn't even know I'd came down he was in the hospital for eight days when he went in he was an addict everything you could think of when he came out he didn't even remember the old hymn he came to church and gave his life to Christ and he has no desire of no addiction or nothing. And uh, when they, whenever they told me it was awake and talking, I went back to the hospital. I said, where's that doctor? I said, where's that doctor? And they said, he's somewhere down the hall. I said, well, I got to go find him. And I went down there. I said, do you believe in God now? And he just started crying. I said... I said, I serve a powerful one. I said, you can serve the same one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that picture right here is Austin and Johnny Buck. Radical transformation. Every area, radical transformation. So, guys, here's the thing. I wanted you to see that and witness that, and there's so many others, and I, I wish we had time that I would, I would go to the others. And, by the way, this wasn't planned. The only one that I told about this was uh, Tyson uh, in the back. And... Uh, 
So this wasn't, this wasn't prearranged or I didn't tell them what they needed to say or anything like that. It's just the testimony of what God has done and is doing in people's lives. So I'm not talking to you about some religious thing, and I'm not talking to, to you about something that happened 2,000 years ago that no longer takes place now. I'm talking to you about a power that brought Jesus out of the grave. And here's what Romans chapter 8 says, that if the same spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then that, that same spirit will also quicken Make alive your mortal body. So can I ask you this? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you still searching for life among dead places? Why are you still looking for people to authenticate who you are rather than looking at a God that created you and made you while you were in your mother's womb that called you who you are? Why are you still looking for the world to determine your definition of gender? Why are you still looking at the world to tell the, to, for them to tell you what you're supposed to be when God has called you and God has redeemed you and God has looked at you and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love? See, this is not about religion and it's not about the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals or whoever. It's simply about who falls in love with Jesus. It's simply about who loves Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, you guys got me so messed up, I don't know where to go. There is nothing more powerful than the testimony of a man or a woman who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to give you this. And we'll figure out what we need to do next. There was a man back in the mid-1600s. He was a brilliant mathematician and physicist. As a matter of fact, some of the things that he, the, the, the mathematical formulas that he put together in the early 1600s are responsible now for some of our major uh, uh, formulas that are being used even now. He was brilliant. His name was Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal is known not only for his brilliance in mathematics but he's known for his, what has become to be known as Pascal's wager or Pascal's bet. 
I put this on Facebook here a few weeks ago, and ever since I did, it's just been going over and over in my mind. Like I said this morning, what I want, my assignment today is not to be real preachy. And oh, I would love to preach today. I got that, 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 that Pentecostal roar. But I'm going to hold back. But my assignment this morning is that if I can say something to you, I'm not talking necessarily to the Christian this morning, but I'm talking to those today that would sit here and say, Pastor, I believe in the power of the resurrection. But the question is, are you walking and living under the power of the resurrection? It's one thing to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he rose from the dead. But the million-dollar question is, are you living as if he rose from the dead? So my thing today is I want to get you to think. I want to appeal to your thinking abilities because I want and I know this morning that when you walk out of these doors today, you might say, well, I made it through another Easter Sunday without having to turn my life around. But I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you warning. What you're about to hear today and what you've already witnessed is not going to leave you. You're going to lay in bed tonight around midnight and your eyes are going to pop open and you're going to have this vision, maybe like Hunter had, of a fiery hell that if you don't turn your life around, that's where you're going. Or maybe you're going to lay in bed tonight and you're going to remember the testimony of some of these young men this morning that have been to hell and back and they've survived enough to tell you today that if it had not been for Jesus... So don't think that you're going to be able to drop it when you walk out the door. Because I've already prayed. I prayed last night. I prayed at 3.30 this morning. I was up praying. And I was praying and I said, God, if they don't respond to the invitation this morning, let them remember. Let them take it with them and let it deal with their heart. Holy Spirit, move in their heart. Don't let them leave this earth without a relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. Blaze Paschal made this wager and it became known as Paschal's Wager. And I'm not going to read it uh, verbatim, but it's, it simply goes something like this. He said, if God really exists and we believe, or we wager that he believes, we have an infinite gain, which is heaven. So I'm going to bring it down into southern South Alabama Verbiage. What he was saying is this. If I believe that God really exists, if I believe that God is really who he says he is, 
then because of my believing that, I have something to look forward to. I have something to gain, and that is heaven. If God really exists, and we don't believe that, then we have the potential for an infinite loss. In other words, if, I, if God really exists and I don't believe it, then I, have, I stand a chance of losing everything. So I want to reiterate that. If God really exists and I believe it, and by saying that I believe it, I give my life to him and I live for him. I commit myself to him. Then I have a promise from him of heaven and eternal life with him. If I say that God does not exist, if I say that all the Bible and everything is just fairy tales and, and all of that and I don't believe that God exists and I don't believe that there was a creator and I don't believe that there was a savior whose name was Jesus and I die in that state then I have everything to lose on the other hand if I believe there's a God and I serve him, and I live for him, and I commit my life to him, I'm going to gain heaven. But at the same time, if God does not exist, and I've lived for him on this earth, and when I die, I realize that God did not exist, you know what? I'm going to die happy. And I'm going to die having lived a good, fruitful life. Whereas, if I don't believe he existed and I leave this earth, only then to find out that he did exist, I will be bound to spend eternity in hell without him. See, Blaise Pascal wagered that. And he said this, he said, that is a big wager in a person's life. To live their life as if there is no God, only to leave this life to find out there was a God. He said, do you really understand how much you're putting on that? You see, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I believe that in 2023 there was a shift in the kingdom of God. And I believe that that shift is this, that we've been so accustomed to hearing 
all the good things about God and all the the things that God's going to give us and God's going to bless us and God's going to do this and he's going to do that in my life. And we've been subjected to to three-point sermons or sermonettes that that, uh, have nothing to do with sin and have nothing to do with life change. And so what we've done is we've created a God all by himself in our lives that that doesn't require anything from us. It doesn't require us to live any certain way. And what's happened is that we're seeing the results of that in our culture. That churches on every corner and, and thousands of people that are going to church on any given weekend, but yet our families are still in a mess. Our children are still uh, falling prey to drug addictions and, and our prisons are overcrowded and suicide rate is skyrocketing among our teenagers and things like that while we go to church and, and have a religious experience, but nothing ever changes. You see... I believe today that what God is doing in 2023 is he's saying this, that the world is changing and the world is headed in a downward spiral. He said, and I'm calling men and women to make it right with me. And I'm calling brother, uh, uh, sons and daughters to come uh, to Jesus and get their life right. You see, friend, today God loves you and he died for you on the cross of Calvary. And I know this morning that you'd like to say pastor I don't need to hear all of that on Easter Sunday morning but I'm telling you today the reality of an empty tomb and I'm telling you this morning that he is still changing lives in our world today I told you I wasn't going to preach I'm not going to preach here's the thing After the empty tomb was discovered, the Bible tells the story of this one man, and his name was Thomas. And I'm going to paraphrase. Thomas wasn't present when Mary, Peter, and John came back with the message that the tomb was empty. He didn't go to church that Sunday morning, so he didn't hear the news. But later on that week, the Bible says eight days later, the disciples were gathered together, and Thomas was in the room with them. This is in John chapter 20. Thomas was in the room with them. And they said, Thomas, you know Jesus is alive. I've seen him. Thomas said this. He said, unless I see the print of the nail in his hand, unless I can take my hand and touch the scar in his side that was pierced by the Roman soldier's spear, unless I can look at his feet and see the scar in his feet, I will not believe In other words, Thomas said, if I don't see it, I'm not going to believe it. Unless I can touch it, I'm not going to accept it. And about that time, Jesus 
appears in the room. Can you imagine that? That'd be a pretty cool awakening, wouldn't it? Jesus just appears in the room. Just, and here he is. Thomas is standing there and Jesus walks up. And he looks at Thomas and he said, Thomas, feel my scars. Look at my scars, Thomas, and know that it is I. The Bible says that Thomas made this proclamation. He said, my Lord and my God. That's pretty cool. But here's the thing, guys, that is more cooler than that. Jesus looked at him and said, Thomas, you have seen me with your eyes and you have believed. He said, but Thomas, he said, those who have not seen me, but yet they believe in me. He said, they're the ones that's going to be blessed of my father. You know who he was talking about? He was talking about Sunday morning, April 8th, 2023 at McCullough Christian Center. Those who have not seen Jesus and you've not seen his scar. You've not been able to put your hand in his scars, but yet you believed that he did rise from the dead. Jesus said you are going to be the one that's going to be able to live in the blessing of my Father. Amen. I know all you McCullough folks are shocked about right now because we normally have several more minutes left in service, but I am going to land this plane. But here's what I want to do. While Pastor Tammy's getting the kids up this morning, and they're going to do one last drama, here's what I want to do. I want, if you will, give me just about two minutes with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And if you believe that, are you living a life under the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? In other words, have you ever been born again? You see, while we were watching the slideshow with those that were being baptized, Baptism is a picture of the death and resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of, of a person going into a watery grave and being brought out, changed, and redeemed. So I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been born again? Have you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. But, man, I really want to. Would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's going to come back where you are. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for showing your hands. Thank you for being honest. Now, here's the thing. I know this morning that God is dealing with hearts. And I know that he's touching lives today. And I want to challenge you this morning. When you leave this place, listen, you might not come back to McCullough Christian Center, but I want to encourage you, find you a church. Find you a place that you can go and worship and get committed to Christ. Get committed to him and learn to live under the power of a resurrected Savior. It is life-changing. 